It was war, nothing more and nothing less, that was responsible for the unification of Germany. To what extent is the statement true? The question of which were the determining factors that led to the unification of Germany has been an area of debate amongst historians. According to Bismarck, Germany would be united through blood and iron, meaning the strong reliance on war and force as a path to unification. This became the traditional method of describing the way in which the German nation was established. Until, that is, economist Keynes challenged this long-held assumption. He suggested that the long periods of economic and industrial preparation must also be taken into account, for without coal and iron, unification would not have been possible. So in this podcast, we will discuss the several factors that led to Germany's unification. These including the Prussian economy, the Zollverein, nationalism, Bismarck's diplomacy, Austrian weaknesses, and, obviously, wars. We will begin by discussing the impact of wars in German unification. As early as 1854, the Crimean War was very significant as it isolated Austria in the continent and isolated it politically and economically. Indeed, Austrian neutrality and consequent isolation in Europe set the ground for, Ru for Prussia to carry out the so-called wars of unification. If the balance of power had not shifted, uh, supposedly it wouldn't be, um, Prussia wouldn't be able to carry out these wars. So the first war against Denmark in 1864 released the duchies of Schleswig and Holstein for the German Confederation. And most importantly, it's led to the Treaty of Gastein, where Bismarck papered over the cracks of peaceful dualism. This was yeah. him like waiting on um, until he could secure the alliance with Italy and actually provoke um, the conflict with Austria, which was the infamous Seven Weeks War. Yes, um, Holstein went to uh, Austria and Schleswig went to Prussia. So in the Austro-Prussian War, uh, Austria mobilized its troops and was framed as the aggressor. So years um, later, Austria appealed to Germany for Schleswig and Germany won the war. And the Austro-Prussian War, it excluded Austria from the German Confederation. As stated in the Treaty of Prague, removing all Austrian claims and influence over the German states. So it ultimately consolidated this idea of a Klein Deutschland. It consolidated these German this German unity without Austria, which was the whole concept. The Austro-Prussian War was the concrete impetus towards unity as it was what brought uh, German territory together under yeah. Prussia. And lastly, um, the Franco-Prussian War resulted by 1871 in the removal of French influence and incorporation of the independent southern German states under a new empire, this new empire rising from the dust of war. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. While war made unification concrete, undeniably, um. Their success was due to a combination of Bismarck's diplomacy and naked militarism. It's a common factor in all of these wars. They wouldn't have succeeded or even occurred if it wasn't for Bismarck's diplomacies and his ability. So that is our next factor to be, to be discussed. 
over here. Yes, in that sense, war was more of a final spark, which gave uh, Germany its territories and the establishment of its nation more than a long-term factor, which was more of Bismarck's diplomacy. Firstly, so, I think we should est establish that Bismarck great, Bismarck's greatness in his diplomacy, um, like Cavour's, it does not consist in this undeviating pursuit of a ruthless master plan. It's more about his infinite ability to adapt his policy while still remaining in control of, of his country and of his people. Yeah, he, he was an opportunist in that sense. And his first opportunity was in the Crimean War, which... Um, was in 1854 and Bismarck claimed it was not in mm, German vital interest to join Austria. And yes, this resulted in, in, Austria weak, in Austrian weakness, in Austrian isolation, and not the war itself. It was the fact that Bismarck said that Germany would not support Austria in the war. Yes, he actually said in one of his speeches that man cannot create the current of events. He can only float with it and steer. So this actually um, emphasizes how Bismarck did not provoke any of these acts of diplomacy. He just knew how to deal with them with infinite um, capability, right? Um, his yes. dealings with Austria and France demonstrates, according to Stephen J. Lee, his strategy of alternatives. He always knew Austria would be his main obstacle, mainly after Olmutz in 1850. But between 1864 and 65, he promoted their alliance, reaching a climax, a climax in 1864 with the joint Austro-Prussian uh, intervention against Denmark in the occupation of Schleswig and Holstein. Yes, so in that sense, um, he took all the opportunities he could to weaken Austria and ensure neutrality from foreign powers, such as in the 1863 Polish revolt, in which all other countries felt bad for the Polish, but Misbark didn't, and he helped Alexander II in putting down the revolt. So he secured this sort of um, sympathy from Alexander II and consequently their neutrality towards Austria in the upcoming conflicts. Yes, but I think it's also uh, important to mention that it's wrongful to claim that Bismarck acted or did any of his diplomatic actions for the greater glory of Germany. He always wanted the question settled in Prussian interests. Hence, his papering over the cracks at Gastein were within that goal, protecting himself from the Germans and their anti-Prussian sentiment. His dealings with Napoleon III at Biarritz it secured French neutrality at the Austro-Prussian War and also facilitated Prussian victory at eventually at Konigratz. Yes, but uh, remember, Napoleon said he wouldn't help him. So again, Bismarck was an opportunist and went after Italy to make a deal. And he said, if uh, you remain neutral towards Austria in the upcoming conflict, then um, Venetia will go to Italy. 
Indeed, that was his master stroke. He crafted a situation where Austria was under intense diplomatic pressure, and he actually came out of this situation seen as the benefactor of Italian unification, taking over Napoleon III's place, um, which was before, right? So, And then um, when... Austria saw that Venetia would go to Italy. Austria mobilized its troops and Bismarck was able to frame Austria as the aggressor. And only years later, Austria appeals to Germany for uh, Schleswig. And then war begins and Germany wins as, as Austria has no support from other foreign powers. So uh, Germany was able to create this Kleindertuschland um, and bring in its territories, which was, again, what we mentioned when we were discussing war. But whether it was war or, or Bismarck's diplomacy is a part of this debate, right? In the same line of creating this Klein-Deutschland um, ideology, um, a factor that is very important for this idea is the Zollverein. It was undeniably influential for Germany's unification as it joins the Prussian, South German, and Central German customs unions into one. Yeah, historians such as Tiles suggest it was the Prussian solution to the German question as it brought enthusiasm to the middle class and created the first material desire for political unity with Germany. Yes, without Austrian participation, Prussia was able to extend her influence over the German states, economically binding them to the idea of a Klein-Deutschland. With so, the idea of a political unity with Prussia sparked in the minds of the middle class as a means to preserve a larger market and develop Germany as a more powerful economic entity. So. Yes, but then there are historians such as A.G.P. Taylor, which suggest that the Zollverein was actually not a force of impetus towards unification, but just a form of appeasement to the middle class. Because if they were satisfied with the Prussian economy, they would not, um, you know, want, desire democracy. It was just a form of keeping them satisfied and avoiding uprisings in Germany. Yes, the Zollverein's glimpse of hope was crushed by the Treaty of Almuts and further repressed by Metternich's suggestion of the Middle Europe. Hence, yes, um, at that point, the Zollverein had ended, but there was the Prussian Erfurt Union. So this brush of hope that was brought by Zollverein is, in fact, uh, you know, even though it was relevant, not the main factor because it was duly crushed in uh, 1851, 61. Yeah, but um, in uh, more detail of this relevance, it's important to mention the Zollverein's success in economically increasing the German exports and coal production, but it was not enough to unify Germany. And um, it was only influential in Germany due to the Prussian economy, due to the Prussian economy's strength. Also, um, the factor of war, which is considered by many the, the main one, was only possible due to the, the strength of the Prussian economy. Bismarck yeah. wouldn't have acted in such an opportunist manner if he didn't know that Prussia had the potency to win these wars due to its production of armaments. 
Yeah, Prussia's military successes against Austria and France were greatly due to its favorable economic situation. Its rapid industrializations in the, in the 1850s and 60s outshone those of Austria and France. Hence, its yes, financial so. strength provided it with an advantage, right? Yes. There was an industrial revolution in Prussia, which made it the first iron and coal producer in Europe. So their armaments were the most advanced. And um, the fact that after the 1815 Congress of Vienna, the Ruhr, Silesia, and the Saar regions were put under Prussian power made also the, the mineral production in Prussia very powerful, very potent. Also, um, industrial advancements such as the creation of railways were essential to the process of unification and also to their success in the wars. Going from, going from only six kilometers in 18, 1835 to over 2,000 by 1836, Prussia's tracks almost acted as a binding agent because it's brought together all the scattered um, territories of Germany. So this supporting Keynes arguments that Germany was unified by coal and iron, um, Prussia's industry was really the base for um, not only Bismarck's success in his diplomacy, but the success of wars. Yes. To unify Germany. And then um, we, we, we notice how coal and iron and blood and iron were very important. But there is one factor which shall be discussed, which is nationalism, which yes. is key to this debate. Something that is always present within all of the factors and what is necessary for any um, major mass movement is this idea of nationalism, right? So what began as a common hatred for France in the War of Liberation soon became one of the driving forces for unification. Yes, um, as you mentioned, the War of Liberation, even though war is in its name, the impact of the War of Liberation wasn't war itself, because the war was fought between France against uh, Austria and Prussia. But it was the sentiment of pride and um, emotional and intellectual appeal among German middle class liberals and students, which created this national sentiment in German territory. Yeah, the Vormars years saw this rise of intellectual political excitement, and it followed some idealistic, I think to an extent, um, nationalistic attempts such as the Hambach Festival and risings against uh, Germany's diet. So, I mean, all these attempts were um, silenced by Metternich and it almost emphasized uh, Austria's um, power and repressive stance against German nationalism at the time with Metternich's six articles and later on um, the Carlsbad decrees. Yes, the Hambach Festival showed the potency, the, you know, force of German nationalism, as in 1833, there was an attempt to overthrow the diet because Metternich's six articles um, increased the diet supervision. So that just shows how Germany would not take uh, oppression from Austria in that sense. It wasn't just Prussian economic power or Bismarck or the war. It was the German people as well. 
But I think this repression also came with a national consensus that while a state without a Volk is a soulless artifice, a Volk without a state is a bodiless phantom. So with the 1848 revolutions and the end of peaceful dualism, nationalism turns towards Prussia. They needed this state. They needed this this political entity, right? So that's why after the revolution, nationalism, it took a stir towards a, a greater power. Whether this was voluntary or mere capitulation is debatable, but certainly the Frankfurt Parliament's failure ended this liberal pattern but also authoritarianism was never alien to the Germans. Yes, indeed. Although there were uprisings such as um, the one against the threat of, fence, of French invasion of the Rhineland um, and the, the annexation of the duchies by the King of Denmark, nationalism wasn't that essential in securing you know, the, the unification of the German nation. It was just another needed and, and relevant factor. I think uh, the nationalism part is crucial um, with this fusion with Prussia. I think the point where nationalism fused with Prussia, Bismarck also said that the fusion between German nationalism and Prussian militarism was a miracle almost without parallel. And soon it became the fuel for the Kleindeutschland solution, as the South German states eventually joined um, with the Northern and the Prussian states with the, the Franco-Prussian War. So yes. I think that's the greatest takeaway from this feeling that the, the role of Germany was both unfulfilled and undermined, and it's culminated in the creation of the German anthem and... Uh, you know, in, in this sense that there was a German nation in the first place, in this idea of a German nation. Yeah. So, um, I think lastly, it's important to discuss a factor that has been intertwined in all of the ones that we have discussed um, in this podcast, which is Austria's consistent weaknesses and failures. So indeed, due to its great influence over Germany, the weaknesses and failures of Austria contributed to, to its unification because it began in 1815 as the president of the German Confederation, holding superior influence over the German states. But um, its repressive stance against unification through Metternich's um, six articles and later the Carlsbad decrees led to a loss of popular support for Austria. And this was met with a strong turn towards Prussia with the Zollverein and the economy. And, you know, Austria's decision of join, not joining the, the Zollverein further weakened its position as the leader of the German Confederation. Yes. So in all, the two final events of the German unification timeline, the Austro-Prussian and the Franco-Prussian War, seem to be indicative that it was indeed blood and iron that was solely responsible for German unity. But when we consider the wider scope of German warfare, it is observed that the predictions and tactics of Bismarck's diplomacy was also greatly important. Not only was his political maneuvering very relevant, but his ability to do so in response to coal and iron, 
which is the, the economic factor, was doubtlessly a consequence of the Zolverein and, and the Prussian economic development. So um, I think in my view, personally, I think that war was the final spark to German unification, but it was Bismarck's political ability to react to these wars and, and maybe even cause them um, using the, the potency of the, the Prussian economy that ultimately led to unification. Yeah, I think analyzing the collective um, factors of unification and analyzing the reasons behind the wars and behind Prussia's military success, it's inaccurate to say that German unification required only wars. Wars weren't the sole factor. It was all um, the background and the leading up and um, the factors that made the wars um, successful that actually unified Germany as a whole.